what kind of programs does this school have? How are the test scores? How many kids do a classroom? Homes.com knows these are all things you ask when you're home shopping as a parent. That's why each listing on Homes.com includes extensive reports on local schools, including photos, parent reviews, test scores, student-teacher ratio, school rankings, and more. The information is from multiple trusted sources and curated by Homes.com's dedicated in-house research team. It's also you can make the right decision for your family. Homes.com. We've done your homework. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. <clears throat> AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Welcome, welcome, welcome back to the Bob Left Sets Podcast. My guest today is Rob Price, CEO of the School of Rock. Rob, how many schools of rock are there? Not enough, Bob, but uh, today we've got 300, just under 340 uh, around the globe in 15 countries altogether. Okay, and how many are owned by School of Rock? Or are they all franchised? How does it work? We operate 46 of the schools. Those are exclusively in the U.S., uh, scattered about in, uh, in, in key markets, but the rest are franchised all through the U.S. and internationally. So let's say I want to have a franchise. Walk me through it. Well, you know, what's interesting is that we tend to appeal to people who've never done a franchise before because ours is really a purpose-driven um, passion area where folks arrive at their interest in school of rock, either having been a parent of a student student themselves as an adult student, they may have seen one of our bands perform. They may be a fan of the movie and, and come across, uh, uh, come across, um, our franchise. So they'll reach out to us and, uh, there's, there's a, there's kind of a long dating process. We, we want to, find out the intent we want to understand um if they're doing this for the right combinations of changing the world and and doing something that's economically viable and then we step through a series of discussions that can take weeks or even months 
to make sure that the match is there. In some ways, it's really similar to other franchise businesses. In other ways, it's really different because we are searching for people who have an equal amount of an interest in return on effort as return on investment. People are really looking to bend the universe by transforming lives through music. Okay, so let's assume I'm excited. What is the deal I'm going to get with you? And is every deal the same or is every deal unique? Yeah, the deal the deals are all the same. We've got uh, standard economics that uh, have a f- initial franchise fee that's just under $50,000. And then uh, the economics going forward, there's the startup costs. There'll be the construction. Uh, there'll be build out soft costs, architecture, et cetera, et cetera, to build a unit that is physical unit, physical school, about 2,500 square feet. Uh, and, uh, and then going forward, once that school opens, the, uh, the transactions are as follows is that we earn a 8% royalty and we earn a 3%, uh, brand fund that we spend on behalf of the franchisees on paid marketing and on uh, infrastructure. And then the rest of the residual economics flow through to the franchisee. And, you know, many of our franchisees choose to do more than one, but that three quarters of our franchisees are uh, single unit franchisees and most are owner operators. Let me ask you, I've always been interested, same thing with royalties in the music business. Okay. Ultimately, you're getting the better part of 10%. How do you make sure you get your money? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. And that's, that's a challenge for some franchises. For us, we have an integrated uh, point of sale system. We have a monthly subscription for our services at the individual school level. So a parent or an adult student will, uh, will uh, uh, kind of uh, sign up for uh, renewing participation hopefully in our performance program, which I'm sure we'll talk about. And um, as those transactions happen, the royalties are automatically dispersed to School of Rock. So we don't really have any collections issues. Um, and, and frankly, our, our franchisees have such high integrity. I don't even imagine if we were in a scenario where the technology wasn't our friend, where we would have got a high degree of professionalism within the community. Um, but thankfully we don't have to face that uncertainty because it all happens in an automated way. Now, have any franchises gone belly up or has the parent organization need to reclaim them? We have had an extraordinary situation. You know, you, you will typically see in most franchise systems that you will see a meaningful number on a percentage basis, maybe um, three, four, 5% of the system might fail in a given year. We are well below 1% in our history. Uh, and that's a source of extraordinary pride, especially given COVID. I mean, COVID should have put us out of business entirely. Um, so, uh, we've only had a few circumstances where we've had circ- uh, where we've had, uh, schools, um, close their doors. And in many circumstances where there is some concerns that a school has, they're able to transfer it to another enthusiastic prospective franchisee 
Uh, and in some cases, we've acquired schools, but we don't typically acquire schools to operate that are not strong performers. We like to buy schools that are great performers that we think have substantial upside potential. Um, so I, you know, knock on wood, I'm not sure if I'm in a room with any real wood, but the thankfully we have not had um, the kinds of situations that many multi-unit operations have where we see uh, periods or even averages of meaningful reduction over time. Okay, so you get someone who's interested. They have the money. You know, when it comes to cost structure and a successful business, location is very important. So to what degree is the parent organization involved in location? It's incredibly important, and it's really good instinct that you ask that because it's not obvious. You know, we think when we were kids, y- y- you didn't think about visibility or location for, for music lessons or youth enrichment activities. It was word of mouth, and you'd hear it from your neighbor um, or a church or synagogue or whatever. You'd, get, you'd just get a hunch where to go for the things for kids. Today, uh, location is really important. We provide um, a – we have a – a kind of preferred partnership with a national real estate site selection firm um, that helps uh, the franchisees facilitate the selection, the negotiation of their leases. They're not obligated to use it. We don't participate in the economics, so we can be an honest broker in regards to making that connection. We approve each site. So we also use our own tools. We've got a really, really extensive um, statistical model that we use that takes all the sites that we have today, evaluates what makes them successful, and that gives us a sense for where we should put a school in a given part of a territory and even more specifically, which street or which shopping center based on the data that we have. So we've got a lot of support for that. And then, of course, there's always art to the science, as, as you know. You know, the location is something that a local entrepreneur, a local community member may know a little bit more about than even a broker. They may know what's happening from a residential development standpoint. They may know where the schools are. And then those weird dynamics where somebody may not drive past this highway because that's just not where we drive um, or morning side of the street, afternoon side of the street, etc. So we're very, very active in the selection or in the help of the selection of the locations because we want these to be of enduring value. We want them to be successful for decades, not just for the next five years. Okay. What are some of the criteria that make a location successful? Well, you know, we uh, tend to focus in areas that have combination of the following attributes, high disposable income, um, uh, high percentage of uh, kids, um, and where there's enough aggregate population to provide, um, you know, enough of a rich target set for just enough people to populate uh, the, uh, the school. And then beyond that, we always in the territory, since we're performance-based and our real product is producing young performers, how that comes to life is in venues. So we'll always look at uh, what the venue configuration is in a given territory um, and make sure there's enough proximity and magnitude of venues. 
we're huge fans of independent venue operators in, 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 in part because we're really dependent on the strength of that community um, to make sure that we've got these sweet spot sizes of the 200, 300, 400 um, uh, seat venues. And so we take that into consideration as well. Um, and then, then it gets down to really specific things, Bob, visibility, co-tenancy. We do well, uh, as you can imagine near places like a whole foods, um, and, uh, where there's, uh, other things for mom to do once she drops her young artist off at the school, we want her to be in a position to go do her thing, be convenient, come back when that kid's a little more proficient and a little happier. Okay. How many of the franchisees, is this their primary mode of income? We don't have good data on that. So I can only give you an anecdotal answer to it. Um, I would suspect that the majority it is, um, and, but I'm not certain that it would be the vast majority. We have a mix of both. And what's, what's interesting is that I'm often asked is the success model in our franchise system, single unit or multi-unit owner operator versus passive operation. And if you map our units, we've got, um, we've got schools in every one of those categories and we have examples where the unit economics and the customer satisfaction are super high. So the answer is that while it's most, most is the case, um, we're not exclusively focused on that because if you can build a team, um, as a investor or a more passive operator, um, and build a team that has passion, like they're the, they're the owners themselves. Uh, this can be a very, very successful, um, more passive ownership model. Uh, we always want the owner to be engaged. They should be there at the shows. They should be making sure that the facility and the culture, um, and the core operations are excellent. Um, uh, but I think that, uh, ultimately we're actually open to all of the different models, which may be a little different than some other franchise systems. How much money can I make owning a school of rock? Well, the good news is we have some data in our, um, in our franchise disclosure document. I always have to be careful because the FTC could, I, you know, you, you can see on zoom, I'm short and a little stout. So stripes wouldn't look so good at me on me. So, um, but what one of the benefits we have in our franchise disclosure document is I can report out the profitability of our corporate owned schools with great precision. And I think this year we're going to be, uh, we're going to be delivering kind of a 20% EBITDA margin on, um, average unit volume that is well north of $700,000 per unit. So that takes into consideration, even if we were, if we were paying ourselves royalties, we adjust that percentage as if we were franchisees. So I always recommend, and this transcends music, Bob, you know, I always recommend when folks are looking at franchise opportunities, if the institution doesn't have any company owned schools or company owned units, and you can't get precise economics, it's hard to gauge the likely return on investment. 
And then further, if you don't get good P&L information from existing franchisees who are comfortable and enthusiastic to share, those two things are probably a good sign that it's something to stay away from. In our case, we have really extensive economics in our own schools, the corporate-run ones, and our franchisees are very comfortable sharing the good and the bad of being a School of Rock franchisee. Um, thankfully, we've had um, remarkable growth over the last six years, comping double digits every year. And even when you take COVID into account, we have a, an annual compound annual growth rate of our EBITDA in the double digits, which um, is really terrific for our schools. Okay, let's say I've jumped through the hoops, I signed the agreement, I found a location. Let's talk about physical space. That generally speaking, it's 2,500, or is that the minimum? Does it vary? And once I get the space, is there a specific blueprint such that every school of rock I go in will be similar, or are they all completely different? Great question. You know, there are, there are some non negotiables. We want in that space. Um, the right number of rooms for lessons, individual lessons, but uh, just as importantly, the right configuration of our rehearsal rooms. So the magic of what we do are preparing these kids to do real rock and roll gigs. Um, and we need a great backline. We need great acoustics. We need a space that gives the feel and the configuration of a stage environment. And so every school will have a minimum number of lesson rooms minimum number of drum rooms specifically, because those have unique uh, dynamics, and then a minimum number of rehearsal rooms. And then, believe it or not, one of the most important parts of the design is a student lounge. We're really trying to become that third space for kids, you know, kind of where Starbucks serves the adult population. We want them as they're transferring between songs or on a break from a given song in their rehearsal, sitting in the lounge comparing notes, learning how to interact with each other, because a lot of what we deliver is not just the musical proficiency, it's civics. It's the lessons on how to socialize. So to put that, to get back to your specific question, we do have a specific configuration, but we're really flexible. That can be a square space that can be long and uh, narrow or uh, shallow and wide. It can be two floors. It can be on the second floor of a, of a shopping center, but we do have minimum criteria and 2,500 is our target. We've done less in highly urban locations. Um, you know, Palo Alto is a location under 2000 square feet, one of our highest volume schools. Um, but, uh, we really like to be at that 2,500 square feet. Some of our schools choose to do their own mini venue inside the school and that might add another 500 to 750 square feet we don't require it though but how many lesson room how many drum rooms yeah we like to have uh you know in the seven to eight range of lesson rooms and to have two drum rooms so those will be double double kits um and then our rehearsal rooms will have drum kits in them and we actually the rehearsal rooms will have the full back line so our rehearsal rooms will also serve as lesson rooms at high capacity times. So, um, so think about it as, you know, 10 individual lesson spaces and, uh, typically three group rehearsal areas. 
okay, I've got the space, I've built it out, I've got some furniture. Do I have to also purchase musical equipment? Yeah, we help, uh, you know, we've become a gear supplier over the last six years, which has been an area of great passion and interest. So we've established relationships with all the major gear players. Um, and what we do is we provide a recommended list, list of gear uh, for starting up um, and really for staging the school for operation. Um, school uh, owners are not required to buy through our resources. They typically do because we get wholesale pricing on their behalf. So they'll get that in at wholesale pricing. We'll help coordinate the shipment. They'll get a couple of pallets in uh, largely from the same location. So that helps as well. And, um, and then in addition to that, since we have these wholesale arrangements, um, we also can resell to students. So we might have, um, you know, I, uh, I come from an old retail family. So there's the phrase one to show one to go, which may ring a bell. You know, we have that kind of mentality for key high moving, um, units like a starter pack, a Fender or Epiphone starter pack or, um, drum pad and, uh, sticks, but we can get everything up to a Moog, um, grandmother, uh, if, if, if our customers need it. Um, and, uh, so yes, we are a conduit for really, really, um, competitively priced gear. We see that as a meaningful growth opportunity for us going forward. What do local retailers and uh, guitar center, major retailers say about you going direct and cutting them out? Well, the reality is that, you know, the, the, I'll, I will project how I feel about them. Uh, and I hope they feel the same way about us which is that so much about driving consumption and creating a new player that will be a long-term customer for any of ours is about continuity of performance and continuity of commitment. So in the short term, it, it, is there a risk that I'm going to cannibalize Guitar Center's um, Fender Starter Pack? Well, yes, there's a, there's a zero-sum game for the initial buyer. But, you know, the old joke, what's the right number of guitars to buy? The answer is always is one more. And ultimately, Guitar Center has a really important role to play. Sweetwater has a really important role to play. And since we are meeting customers at different parts of that customer journey, and since we're physically located in really, really different places, a Guitar Center can never be located where a school of rock is because it's hard to find 30,000 square feet on, uh, you know, the Upper East Side of New York on 71st, whereas we can get a 2,000 square foot location. I think the other thing is that, um, you know, our view is that we play a really important role uh, where, which is diminishing in all the retail environments, which is very high touch high consultative sale. So we have the opportunity where we're spending three hours with our students a week. N even Guitar Center's most fervent shoppers don't stay there for three hours a week. So we have this incredible opportunity to really do that kind of 
um, Hogwarts matching uh, exercise where we help a student meet its their perfect guitar, bass, keyboard, microphone, etc. And I think that's something we're in a unique position to do when we're having that much continuity because we have mentors, musicians themselves, and they can say, this is why I play the Fender. This is why I pay, play this SG. This is why I choose Gretsch. Um, and I think that that's a role we are in a position to uniquely play. That I'm, having been said, no one likes competition. I'm not, I don't, I, I, I'm mindful of the fact Guitar Center teaches lessons and their music and arts subsidiary teaches lessons. But if they're doing a great job in lessons, that's great for society. So in the grand scheme of things, I'm okay with that. Rain or shine, every day is a great day for fishing, right? You got rain gear, but you can't overlook sunny day gear. A Columbia PFG Solar Stream Elite hoodie has you covered on the sunniest days. Like literally. I mean, who wouldn't trade a sunburn for a trophy fish? But why do it if you don't have to? Especially when this Solar Stream Elite hoodie is built with broad spectrum UV protection. We're talking UPF 50, and it has airflow so you don't overheat. And what's the alternative? Putting down the rod every half hour so you can slather on some sunscreen. Seems like an easy choice to me. Columbia PFG has you covered with their Castback TC shoe. Its OmniMax cushioning and traction system helps if you're on your feet a lot, say, fighting a fish. Not to mention keeping you sure-footed on a wet, rocking boat. So if you're going to be spending long days out on the water, and I sincerely hope that you will be, head over to Columbia.com PFG and shop all their performance fishing gear. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Okay, in this transaction, in selling merchandise to the store, and to the customer, you are taking a spiff. You are, this is a profit center, however minimal, for the School of Rock. It's a profit center for our schools, and it's, we largely just cover our cost at the uh, retail level. We've chosen 
um, in, in the configuration of our economics, we've chosen to participate at the wholesale level. Um, so we don't actually charge a royalty in our sales uh, to our, for franchisees. So we want them to capture as much of the gross margin as possible. Um, and franchisees within the, the limits of map pricing, which you're familiar with, you know, they are allowed to have certain flexibility to, uh, to charge and advertise, promote certain pricing. We want to preserve as much of that margin for them as we can. So I don't see for us the idea of, um, massive, uh, EBITDA transformation, valuation transformation by becoming, um, a conventional retail player rather I want to reduce the friction to make sure that we're the, the best high touch, uh, customized matchmaker between a young artist and their needs. By the way, this applies to our teachers too, is that our teachers are all gigging musicians. We want to put the best gear in their hands and we may be the only way they're going to get their hands on an American strat, um, as opposed to, you know, a lesser model because we can get it to the meta price. that's much lower. Okay, so I'm opening a school of rock. Other than the physical plant, how much am I going to have to spend on equipment? Our our equipment tends to be in the sort of twenty to twenty five thousand dollar range, um, and naturally at retail value that would be a much higher number. But uh, we tend to try to outfit the schools for everything they need to operate um, in that zone in terms of gear. In terms of gear. Naturally, there'll be things like soundproofing, there'll be millwork, furniture, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and uh, depending, that's mostly driven by square footage. Your build out will be directly proportional uh, to square footage. And typically, we're, you know, it'll be a, bit, uh, a little over a hundred, a little over a hundred dollars per square foot to build out a school of rock in terms of construction. Now, in some markets, that can be up to 120, 130. Let's say I walk in the front door with my parent and I'm sold, but I have no equipment. Is there literally equipment in the store that I can buy right that day or is it ordered? How do I get the equipment in my hands? In most cases, our schools that are committed to our gear program, they'll have two or three of the fast moving units in each instrument. So they'll have a starter guitar pack. They'll have a starter bass pack. Um, uh, they typically wouldn't inventory keyboards cause it's just such high cube. It's hard in a small space to keep those around. Um, they certainly will have drums, drum, uh, sticks and, uh, and, um, uh, practice pads and practice pads. Thank you. Um, and then we'll have Mike and amp, solutions starting um solutions with partners like sure uh who are uh who are great partners um that having been said um many of our students start their journey before selecting their instrument and we're very very much in favor of that so our our way in bob our little or we call our little wing program our rookies program this is a group learning environment where we're giving them the opportunity to uh, speed date with a range of instruments. So they may come in with a bias 
to pick their forever instrument. But we think that's actually one of the things that has impeded success in music education is leaping too quickly to an instrument that ends up not being the right one emotionally or physically for the student. So it's a very rare circumstance where immediately someone comes in and they don't have an instrument and they need it immediately. But when we do, we can get it with great haste. Let's say that, you know, I'm a dedicated uh, student. Are you selling strings, straps, picks, that kind of stuff? We are. We are. And uh, that that's pretty universally provided at all of our schools and, again, comes through the same supply chain for us. And, uh, you know, another one that's great for us, we're really proud of, is hearing protection. Huge area. We try to make sure every one of our kids um, it, uh, from the very get-go understands the importance of it. And in our rehearsal rooms, we require hearing protection uh, as a mandatory item. So we'll also sell some really good brands like Erasers um, in our schools. Okay. I'm down the line. I signed my agreement. I have my equipment. I've built out my space. What do I do for personnel? How many people do I need? What kind of structure? What kind of payment? Where do I find them? Yeah. Um, it's the most important question, uh, because the software of our business makes or breaks it. Uh, we don't have a complex technological footprint. We don't have a complex build out. It's got its uniqueness with sound attenuation, but the software, the people is really, really important. The, the beauty of our model is that we favor gigging musicians as our staff members. We don't favor necessarily folks who have 10 years, 15 years in traditional music instruction, because we are upending the model of music instruction. We want happier kids who stay with their instruments longer that have the subsidiary benefits of learning, not just music, but how to perform. And so as you probably know, you know, you, you don't have to go you don't have to go beyond your local Starbucks to find a, you know, proficient gigging musicians. Um, and so there's a high degree of supply in all major markets in the world of people who are passionate musicians. And depending on the age of the student, the level of proficiency can range. Um, so to your quantitative questions, School might have 20 people on the payroll. Most of those are part-time. Uh, there may be only one full-time salaried team member as a general manager. And in an owner-operator school, that might be the owner. Um, and there'll be a music director. That will be somebody who's more advanced in terms of teaching and their organization skills and their leadership skills. They really administer the pool of uh, instructors. Um, and then we'll typically have one or two administrative staff who are greeting people as they come in, helping navigate leads, giving tours, administering billing, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so it's a really good complement to the gig economy for real gigging musicians. And um, so the, the first hire is typically, if you're an open owner operator, is hiring that really, really well networked, well connected um, very responsible music director. 
you bring them on board a couple of months before opening. And then they're usually so plugged into the local community, they can be the uh, Trojan horse to get us the amazing talent to come in. And we've got a very methodical curriculum and technology tools to make it really easy for people who've never taught before to be incredibly successful music instructors. You know, as an instructor, not as the person who's an overseer manager, how much money am I going to make? Well, we're, we're, we tend to be in a space which is north of what they would get in uh, the service economy and south of what they would get as individual teachers. Um, so you might see, you know, I, I can't give a precise number because our franchisees economics aren't necessarily, um, obvious to us, but we'll typically be in the high teens, early twenties on an hourly rate. That'll differ in different markets naturally, because you go to a Greenwich, Connecticut, it'll be very different than a Lubbock, Texas, where we have schools, in both of those markets. Um, but we tend to be very competitive with what musicians part-time jobs, um, can provide to them. And, um, and then some schools also provide incentives and bonus, uh, bonuses to the, to the, uh, instructors that can increase their comp. Um, if they're doing a show, if they're one of our show directors, they may get a bonus for that. They may get a bonus for retention, et cetera, et cetera. We like to see that, but that's varies quite a bit through the system. But we don't target, we don't compete against the price or the cost or the, the income that a private instructor would have for very practical reasons. We're taking all of the administrative complexity, all of the liability, all of the uh, operational um, distractions, the scheduling, even the place, the gear, um, and the lead getting part off the the, the shoulders of the individual instructors. So we do see quite a few traditional instructors who pursue coming aboard school of rock, but we're not dependent on that cohort as a source of labor for us. Okay. What's the lifespan of an employee? Um, well, the, the, we have probably about half the, um, churn of conventional retail so we we have since we have tend to have younger team members um we team we have team members who are touring going out on tour as a matter of course we'll understand that and we'll accommodate that we will see probably an average lifetime uh, an average life cycle for you know seven to nine months of a given team member that differs dramatically, whether it's a general manager or a frontline instructor or one of our administrative team members, but that would be a good bogey. Um, and since our students are so keyed into our two hour rehearsal each week, where the, uh, the attachment is to the brand and to the band and to the goal of the show. It's not catastrophic to us when one of our team members has the opportunity to go tour that we don't have to be agonizing about them departing. 
always requires good succession management. You want to make sure you're not leaving your kids high and dry, but it's not uncommon for one week, a different instructor to come in. And our kids tend to really dig that because they'll say, Hey, this is real jazz oriented bass player. I'm learning a completely different side of the instrument. So, um, but thankfully, even though we do largely compete with hospitality, we have much better retention of our team members because it's, it's a community for them too. This is a place where they're going to be with other musicians and other really purpose-driven team members. Okay. I'm building out to what degree is sound reinforcement, meaning deadening, et cetera, or neighbors complaining. Is this an issue? It's one of, it is the most important topic on the build out. It's less important if you have a standalone unit. Uh, but if you're in the middle of a shopping center, um, we deploy a lot of expertise. We have relationships with vendors. We even have consultants on, on, um, on call who have now helped dozens and dozens scores, even of schools navigate through specific issues. Um, and those can be everything from, um, how sound travels through an air conditioning unit to raised floors. Um, but we have uh, in our design guidelines, super specific recommendations in terms of double drywall and green glue. And, um, and, uh, and then, uh, we have certain requirements and then we have certain nice to haves that we give our franchisees the opportunities to navigate through. We've been really lucky in that now wasn't always like this, but now we're in a situation where we know how to mitigate the sound and we know how to administer the relationship with landlords and neighbors so that it's not contentious. Um, some of it is even setting explicit decibel requirements, which is we will commit to not being above this level of sound. Um, that'll be well below what the municipal limits are, but yeah, it's a big, it's the only really complex part of our construction is sound attenuation. The rest is drywall, framing, carpeting, painting, electrical, plumbing, very standard stuff. Okay. I've jumped through all the hoops, signed the agreement, built out, have a staff, have the sign on the door. How do I start the business? Well, you, you, you ask a question that I, I, I almost need to challenge the premise, which is that our view is the business starts the day you sign the agreement. And that's been one of the things that's been a transformation for us is that the marketing and the community relationship, the, uh, that you can establish anticipating opening is really rich. So what we always ask our franchisees to do is immediately stop, start mapping your community, map the schools, map the mom's clubs, map the local activities like, um, art walks and, uh, farmers markets, um, get to know, uh, get to know businesses that are going to be adjacent to you. Cause sometimes they'll be your first students. Your landlord often will have a child. They want to send to to school of rock. That's a great place to start. And so what we always try to do is actually have 20 or 30 students pre-enrolled. So unlike a lot of franchises, we actually try to start off with revenue from day one. Um, and, um, uh, so, uh, now beyond that, 
um, we are doing a way to think about it is that we run at the corporate level, the air war for our franchisees. We'll do digital paid and earned media. Um, we'll do seasonal campaigns and we'll do always on campaigns. We'll do very, very sophisticated, uh, prospecting and targeting on our individual schools behalf, but we're counting on the franchisees and the local company school teams to do the, the ground warfare, which is we want them to be everything from that a frame outside of the school to the lights coming out from the school to setting up that table with what we call the instrument petting zoo at the children's festival, uh, or, um, you know, going to the, uh, the art walk and having your kids play at, uh, at the event. That's really where the source of leads are. And we've got very, very precise, um, uh, mechanics of doing our lead gathering. So we know at any time how well situated a school is for longer term success based on their lead flow and their conversion dynamics. We do that very scientifically. I know everybody enters the program in a different fashion, but let's start with some examples. I walk in the front door. That's it. No pre-existing relationship. What happens? Well, naturally, somebody who walks in the door probably has self-selected that they're interested in music education. So it's a circumstance where we don't have to convince them about what class of trade we're in. Um, the very first thing we begin to explain before we do the tour is we're performance based music education. So if you're looking for lessons only, we might recommend you go someplace else. Um, and, uh, we think that the efficacy of our model is so much better that we don't want to clog it up with folks who are interested in just the most conventional weekly lesson where they're, you know, the it's practice with the hope someday of something like a recital. So at the very first part of that conversation, we're saying, here's who we are. What we are is that we're going to have a transformational experience for your kid typically. Um, and that transformational experience is anchored in them joining a band and joining the Zeppelin show or the green day show or the women in rock show or the blue origin of the blues show that's enrolling right now. We're casting right now for that show. The show is going to be in three months. We'd love to have your kid. If they're already doing music, already having some functional capability, and we'll give you weekly lessons as part of that. That's really how it begins. And then we take them around the school and we show them how the physical facility delivers that to them in an incredibly immersive environment. Typically, they'll be seeing a rehearsal going on or uh, an in individual lesson going on. They'll get to see the happy kids bouncing around the school. Um, uh, and they'll get to do a trial lesson where they get the experience of what's our teaching method. Um, and then we'll show them our curriculum. Depending on the musical ability of the parent, they may have a model in their head of how they learned the Hal Bay looks books or Hal Leonard books. We have our own curriculum, which we think is really differentiated. And that really blows people away when we show them the physical and the digital parts of our curriculum. And 
honestly, Bob, when we can get a prospective student in the school, we have an amazing hit rate of convincing people that this is something unlike, certainly unlike they had when they were kids. Um, now, a different scenario is when we have a really novice player and there we introduce them, depending on their age, to either our little wing program, which is sort of four to six, or our rookies program, which is more like the six to eight year old level. Um, but again, we're working them towards enrolling in the performance program and being ready to get out on stage as soon as possible. Rain or shine, every day is a great day for fishing, right? You got rain gear, but you can't overlook sunny day gear. A Columbia PFG Solar Stream Elite hoodie has you covered on the sunniest days, like literally. I mean, who wouldn't trade a sunburn for a trophy fish? But why do it if you don't have to? Especially when this Solar Stream Elite hoodie is built with broad spectrum UV protection. We're talking UPF 50, and it has airflow so you don't overheat. And what's the alternative? Putting down the rod every half hour so you can slather on some sunscreen. Seems like an easy choice to me. Columbia PFG has you covered with their Castback TC shoe. Its OmniMax cushioning and traction system helps if you're on your feet a lot, say, fighting a fish. Not to mention keeping you sure-footed on a wet, rocking boat. So if you're going to be spending long days out on the water, and I sincerely hope that you will be, head over to Columbia.com PFG and shop all their performance fishing gear. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Okay, so what is your teaching method? So it starts um, in reverse. So when you and I, uh, you know, were exposed to music as kids, I was a keyboard player and, um, my teacher was Mrs. Van Acker, rest her soul, uh, uh, a wonderful woman who was very dedicated. And I trained classically as many of the listeners, I think, uh, that would be their experience. Um, and it was skill first. 
So building up and basically saying, you're going to learn grammar before I sent you into conversation. And we're certainly not going to put you in a room of other people speaking until we're absolutely certain that you are articulate and you know the letter names and you know the parts of speech, et cetera, et cetera. Um, that is one way to learn. It happens to be in contradiction to virtually everything else we learn, though. It's not how we learn sports. It's not how we learn socialization. It's not how we learn to speak. So, um, so we have the reverse. So our curriculum starts song first. And what we do is that we build with the show, um, that a kid will enroll. Imagine 15 kids, 16 kids in a show season, and they're doing their weekly rehearsal and they're cast on songs and we cast them on the songs using a database of our songs where we know the level by instrument of that song. So we have a very proprietary tool where we can take um, a, a level one bass player and put them on a song with a level five guitar player and they can coexist. Um, and then what we do is that we have in the same massive database of these songs in our shows, we have the skills that map to those songs. So a great, you know, great examples, Thunderstruck, you know, that tune. Um, the last thing you want to do is talk about music theory when you're teaching a kid th Thunderstruck. You just want them to jam out. But what it gives us the opportunity to do in the individual lesson is to say, hey, you know that guitar solo? Did you know that's in Mixolydian mode? And they'll say, well, what's that? And then we'll teach them Mixolydian mode. And for their entire life, when they hear that configuration of notes, they'll know Mixolydian mode much more so than somebody who's taught the mode before they're taught to play the mode. And, uh, so that's a really geeky music theory way to answer the question, but we start with the show to the song, to the skill, and then our app reinforces those skills and maps it for the student's use to preparing them for the show. So it's, it's, we sneak the kids, the music theory, the notation, the, the technique, um, but it's all in service of their curiosity because they want to just jam better. They feel a sense of group accountability. Um, and we think it's so incredibly novel in music, partially because it's so universal in everything else. That's how you and I learn to talk. Okay. I'm convinced. I signed up. I would think that my first meeting is with my teacher. So let's just assume I have some skill. I'm not a complete newbie. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I meet with a teacher. What goes down in that lesson? Well, it may be that your first meeting is with your band. So you may actually have your rehearsal first. Um, but in either case, typically in rapid succession, you're going to meet with an instructor who's really well equipped to teach your level of your instrument, and you'll be signing up for a show. So part of the choice for a customer is what shows are you doing this season? Um, and that'll be a little bit of a matchmaking because we'll have certain needs still in given shows where it's easier to cast that instrument. Uh, and then others may be more fall, but let's say they choose to be part of the pop punk show 
so they want to do you know some 41 and green day and and uh we're casting for that show we've got a great role so within a couple of days they'll spend they'll have a 30 or 45 minute lesson with their teacher um talk about their goals um do a little bit of demonstration which is just let's see how you hold your instrument or how your how you navigate your vocal instrument um let's see your technique so the first lesson typically is an assessment just where do you stand but that second lesson bob they're supporting that student's proficiency and technique to be ready to rock on stage it is all about preparing the songs for the show now we'll have circumstances if a kid's actually auditioning for berkeley or if a kid wants to get into jazz band at their sh- at, at their school we'll help the kid with any of those tasks but the lesson really is about reinforcing the repertoire that they're working on for the show um, and that i really think that starts at lesson number two um lesson number one is just getting to know you session will i end up knowing how to read music if you want to we will as i always qualify that because there are some students who um choose not to learn that way there are some students who can't learn that way but we are equipped and we are very dedicated for all of our students not only knowing how to read music but we also want them to read tablature where it applies we want them if they're vocalists to do be able to do solfeggio we want um them to know at least the basics of music theory um and uh so i you know i'm i'm very passionate about this as a trained musician most of our leadership team are trained musicians we don't want to be um uh a casual um educator of music we want to be accessible but we don't want to be casual um we want to lower the friction increase retention but we don't want to do it at the expense of not giving people nutrients musically so our goal is for every one of our students to be able to read notation and do a lot more than that and our curriculum has that explicitly as part of the mechanics we have 25 method books we have hundreds and hundreds of exercises in our app and they all build to musical um uh literacy musical proficiency technique music theory let's just say i walk in i have a starter fender guitar i can play all the basic chords a through g maybe a minor e minor what's going to happen in the lesson i realize we're building towards a show but is yeah. that is the teacher just going to say well this is the lead you have to play and teach me how to? i mean what's going to happen it's always a mix because and again let's let's uh let's use a scenario which is that's actually an incredibly appropriate scenario for me you just described my guitar proficiency sadly i don't have the same proficiency in guitar as as keyboard so um when uh when uh someone like me will go in hopefully we'll join the adult band um and of course you'll be working towards those dimensions but in every circumstance you're stopping on the theoretical component to linger on developing that which is that um uh 
you're going to be playing a song with the pentatonic scale. That's the source of all blues scales, all basically almost every blues, every guitar solo on the planet in a popular song. So what the teacher will do is linger on that and also give you an exercise for the, the, the different shapes of the pentatonic scale on the fretboard. And that may be the exercise you're assigned for the next week as you're working on honky tonk woman. Um, so they'll be complementary, but it won't necessarily be entirely uh, enveloped or enveloped, I should say, by the song. There's also about teaching the skill that the song introduces, but not limiting the song's application to it. So you may say, okay, the first things that you're going to work on for the next few weeks is mastering being able to do the pentatonic scale without looking at the fretboard. Which is about as far as I've gotten. By oh, the way. okay. But, yeah. Every all of us who took lessons at our younger age, there's the lesson, and then there's practicing, and many people don't practice. How do you deal with that? Well, first and foremost, the one thing that's great about the performance-based program is they're going to have two hours of practice every week, which on average is more than the average child practices. So if they're in the rehearsal. And they're playing their songs in the rehearsal in preparation for the show. They're going to have practical and, and, and mentored practicing sessions because you're going to have the show director saying, hey, listen, you know, you really need to hit the fretboard here or on the keyboard. You know, you um, you're you're just naturally doubling the bass. We don't need you to do that um, or try this finger construction or watch the form on on your your playing um a little more vibrato there stand up straighter etc but in addition to that the only way to accomplish a breakthrough in that bob is to make it more fun it is as simple as that is that uh we have variations of levels of of commitment within our students that exists everywhere but we lower the friction to practicing so much by making it fun um, one is you're doing accessible music. You're doing music that you're going to get the reinforcement of. It's not that I don't love the pathetic sonata. I do, and I can play it and it was fun to work to play it, but it's not like I'm going to go to my friends and say, oh, you wouldn't believe I'm, I know how to play the pathetic sonata. Um, so I think a lot of it is just the reinforcement of accessible contemporary popular music. But a lot of it's actually the functioning of our app. So our app is game-like. So when a kid is working on either an exercise, let's say that pentatonic scale, or working on the um, the base part to wagon wheel, w both circumstances in our app, we have this interactive capability where the app will tell you how you did on pitch, rhythm. Um, it'll give you a grade. Uh, and or a score, I should say. And um, uh, what that does is create this kind of fun gamification of practicing, but it's low stakes. It's low risk. It's not failing. In fact, you don't have to submit your exercise until you're happy with it. Um, and so kids will try to perform. And so what we've tried to do is really gather the best of what we see in gaming, massive multiplayer gaming, and say, how do we create this energy to make practicing 
fun by design. Then I think the the third piece is, listen, you're working towards a show with other kids. You want to be ready. So I think there is a little bit of additional motivation that is much more powerful than your, te- your, your teachers or your parents wagging their fingers at you. Okay. I have my lesson. I go home. You're saying it's not like the old days where I'm alone, that all of my practice is engaged with an app or something else? Yeah. Yeah. So our app is your, we think of the app as the sinew between the lesson and the lesson and the lesson and the rehearsal. It's a place where you can get all the curriculum. And in fact, we give every one of our students all 25 of our method books in the app. So if they're curious and they want to try something on bass or try a more advanced skill, knock yourself out. Um, but in addition to that, they have got not just the exercises that we have in the method books or the subset of those that's been assigned to them, but we have thousands and thousands of exercises that have been uploaded by our instructors that they can tap into. So their instructor could tap in, could upload an assignment for them to play. And then they'll also have the tablature, the sheet music, the notation, playback, um, metronome, all the functionality to make a practice session more substantial. Um, it's as if you have a digital teacher there with you, um, giving you real time feedback on your proficiency. Okay. Let's go back to, I walk in the front door. I have some basic skills. Okay. What is the season? How many shows do you do in a season? And I either have to sign up for that. If it doesn't appeal to me, I have to wait to the next season. How does it work? Yeah. So the, you know, we, we always remind our, our, um, schools that the best time to sign up for school of rock is now, um, that whether you're a month into the season or two months into the season of a three month season or three plus month season, um, there's always the opportunity to bring a new band member in because we phase the casting. We release only portions of the curriculum or the, of the repertoire as the season goes on so that we can not overwhelm the kids, but, or the adults, but also so that we can bring in new people to the band when those new people are ready and excited. So you're going to come in and, um, you'll match make, with um, a given show and then the very first thing that will happen is you're cast on songs um you'll be cast here we want you to play bass uh, or guitar on these three songs and i know you don't, you've never played bass before but you know for the you know those four strings the first four strings same thing and we're going to teach you bass technique so that you're increasing the likelihood that you're going to have more playing time later in life Um, and then we want you on background percussion, background vocals on these pieces. And that becomes the heart of your study topic, if you will. What is the cost in the commitment? We are where it's monthly tuition. So we don't sign up for the whole semester. Um, uh, and the, uh, but we want to have continuity to make sure that there is, um, you know, folks don't drop in and drop out. So it's a monthly commitment and the cost depends on the territory, the area in which we're operating with the market. Uh, but 
for our performance program, typically we're in the high 300s, low $400 um, per month. Um, naturally, in, in Manhattan or Palo Alto, it's going to be more expensive because our rent is so much more expensive. Our labor costs are so much more expensive. Um, and for that, you'll have a two-plus-hour rehearsal each week. And depending on the school, a 30 to 45-minute lesson each week. Um, and then all the access to other, other community activities, like we do webinars and, uh, touring opportunities, um, which, uh, you've probably seen some of our propaganda in terms of Summerfest and Lollapalooza, Rock and Rio, Lisbon, um, et cetera. But, um, that's the general economics, pretty simple, uh, pricing model. Okay. And you have my credit card on file and you're going to bill me unless I cancel. Correct. Okay. So how many shows are there a semester and how do you pick what the shows are? So we have, um, 60 core shows, uh, that we have that are combinations, uh, per, well, permutations of the 1200 songs in our core curriculum. So we've spent several years kind of honing what we think are pedagogically appropriate shows, the ones that deliver the most technique and theory quietly to our students, but have the most diversity to in regards to genre. So we want metal. We want Prague. We want um, British Invasion. We want the 2010s, you know, which some of the kids call classic rock, which is jarring. Um and, uh, but we also want early blues. Um, so, uh, what, what we do is then depending on the age of the school, the experience of the school, depending on the nature of the student body and who they know are enrolling, the music staff will get together a few months before the next season and say, here's what the roster looks like of our core kids. Here's what we've done this season. Here's some things we really need to to pump up here's some things we've heard demands for um you know we've got this whole core of kids who've gotten into my chemical romance well let's scratch that itch we can do that um so i think that it's a it's a little bit of an art combined by tools that have science to them where we can actually go through our our what we call our method engine and say okay we have these levels of these players what shows can best equip uh, or best serve the needs of those players. Um, and then they announce the shows. Kids can put their first, second choice in. We do not guarantee you're going to get your first choice. And uh, one of the best pedagogical outcomes we have had as a general rule over 25 years is how many kids after they've gotten their third choice, are that becomes their favorite musician of all time. That's just the nature of youth. So that's how the mechanics of it work. And as in terms of how many, that can be anywhere from three to 12 uh, shows. You know, a, a school like um, Perth, which has got nearly 500 students, they'll be doing, they may take a whole weekend at a venue and do 12 end of season shows. Um, whereas a newer school with just 100 40 students they may be doing three shows okay so it's all signed up 
how many songs are going to be in the show in the genre that I pick or the era that I pick and how much am I going to play on them? Yeah. So the, um, typically the, um, the shows will be a wide variation in kind of 18 to 21 tunes. Um, and you will typically play your core instrument on a handful of those songs, not most, but then you'll be tasked to play additional instrumentation on, uh, the rest of the songs. So, much like in a recital, when I was te- learning piano, your the delivered product might be one sonata, uh, one etude, and you know one Bach invention. We want to make sure that there's enough substance that that kid is getting a handful of challenging songs and getting exposure that they're part of the band in more secondary ways. So... Um, Depending on the number of students, that number will change. And depending on the nature of the songs, the number changes. Bohemian Rhapsody has a much higher student count for orchestration than, say, Green Day. Uh, Like, you know, Oh Love on Green Day. Rain or shine, every day is a great day for fishing, right? You got rain gear, but you can't overlook sunny day gear. A Columbia PFG Solar Stream Elite hoodie has you covered on the sunniest days. Like literally. I mean, who wouldn't trade a sunburn for a trophy fish? But why do it if you don't have to? Especially when this Solar Stream Elite hoodie is built with broad spectrum UV protection. We're talking UPF 50. And it has airflow so you don't overheat. And what's the alternative? Putting down the rod every half hour so you can slather on some sunscreen. Seems like an easy choice to me. Columbia PFG has you covered with their Castback TC shoe. Its OmniMax cushioning and traction system helps if you're on your feet a lot, say, fighting a fish. Not to mention keeping you sure-footed on a wet, rocking boat. So if you're going to be spending long days out on the water, and I sincerely hope that you will be, head over to Columbia.com PFG and shop all their performance fishing gear. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do, too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cashback on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. 
Okay, so I practiced for three months. Tell me about the actual show. The shows are epic. So we'll we'll take um, you know we'll uh, uh, if you're out in L.A. you might see a School of Rock end of season show at the Troubadour, um, uh, or you might see it at the Knitting Factory in Brooklyn, um, Reggie's in Chicago, and it's it is a full rock and roll show, tier one backline lights sound um and the venues love us because we'll typically go into the venue at a time when they don't have other activities and the food and beverage is terrific for them um so what you'll find is each student will bring their loved ones their friends the ones that bring the most audience members are our littlest kids so when you have a seven-year-old uh, doing seven nation army. Um, <laughs> they'll have, and it's, it's epic, Bob. Honestly, it's the cutest thing you've ever seen. Um, and you'll, they'll have 15 fans in the audience. And of course that kid sounds like Hendrix as far as every one of those fans is concerned, but that's the reinforcement we want to create. We want to create at seven. You had your first gig. You played the troubadour at seven. That's what we want. Okay. So is it like, Let's just assume your store has five different tracks. They're all going to play together on one night. It depends. Sometimes it's absolutely impossible, but uh, typically the season shows will either happen same weekend or two consecutive weekends. So let's just say I'm there for a night and I'm showing up for somebody in the band. How long is the show and how many bands are going to be there that night? Is the audience going to cycle in and out? It's like an eight-hour marathon or it's like four hours, two bands, that's it, or three bands, whatever. Yeah, I think typically what you'll find in most cases, they, they make it a reasonable evening where um, uh, the, the, you know, it'll be a tolerable amount for everyone to stay around for most of the show. Um, and it's encouraged. It's really encouraged from a teamwork standpoint to do that. And what we do, we have is a really, really good habit is at least students stay around for the rest of the shows. So there's always this core audience in the stage cheering on every, um, every band. So that might be a four, six hour kind of thing. Um, the, there are some weekends in some of our busier schools that almost feel more like a music festival um where it's morning till night with maybe an afternoon break and people are slotted in and you're kind of you're you're cast to a certain um hour um or set of hours um and that's really just a function of the number the size of the school the number of students the size of the band as well um We'll sometimes have adults play in the same show as kids. I, I personally think it's sometimes cooler to let the adults kind of do their own thing. Um, and then we'll also try to get our littlest kids to play one or two or three songs. And it's absolutely beautiful to watch because no one's more excited about that. So you got all these little ones on stage. It's the first time they've ever been on stage. These super supportive big brothers and big sisters, the big kids in the band, and who are really showing them love and affection and attention. And then they go out there and they're, you know, they're doing You Shook Me All Night Long. 
Uh, it's really fantastic. <laughs> yeah, I can visualize it. And I'm laughing and smiling at the same time. Obvious question here. It is called the School of Rock. If you really want to get deep, rock's penetration and consumption actually went up a little bit in this last period of time, but still consumption is dominated by hip-hop. Is it yeah. very clear that this is rock? It's not pop. It's not Mariah Carey. It's not Jay-Z. And if you want that, you go somewhere else. Tell me, what's your response to that? As of now, we really only have one strict genre philosophy, which is that we want an ensemble-based music program. So we, over the years, have gotten far more um, uh, imaginative about what we consider rock. School of Rock is a mnemonic. It's, it's, it's a little bit like Amazon used to be a, you know, a bookseller, and that was their original identity, and then it became a mnemonic for the endless aisle of everything. We feel that way about ensemble music. Now, there's natural limitations to that. If we were to do that orchestrally or do jazz ensembles or to do chamber orchestras, we need have to we'd have to make some more radical changes. But from my perspective, any genre in the contemporary music canon that is ensemble based is fair game. And you will see our schools take advantage of that. And where that becomes very relevant is in our schools outside the U.S. You know, there, there's an amazing, as you know, there's an amazing Andean rock scene, like Andean prog rock. And, um, and uh, we want to make sure that that comes to life. So you're going to have altogether different orchestrations in Chile and Peru, um, uh, Paraguay, Col Colombia, Brazil. Um, you know, you'll have Sertanejos songs in, uh, in Samba in Brazil. And we're very comfortable with that, both domestically and internationally. What, what that actually means in practical terms, though, is our, our genre really starts with the early blues and ends kind of in the 2010s. But to keep it fresh, we will have even more contemporary music. But we've done rock rap shows. There's plenty of rap shows with, with uh, you know, full black backline, you know. Um, and and as you know, you know, you go to Lala, you watch Childish Gambino. He's got a full backline. Um, that's not true for everyone, you know. Kendrick Lamar doesn't in his current iteration. But um, if he comes out with uh, with tunes that have a full ensemble orchestration. We'll weave that into our curriculum ready, uh, ready quick, because we believe that's appropriate. But it's a practical matter. Let's just talk the U.S. where we're yeah. familiar with the uh, repertoire. Yeah. What percentage is essentially rock? I would say 70% of our curriculum today, you and I would agree, it falls within the rock genre. Um, and then the remainder would be you know, adjacent genres that could accidentally be called rock by somebody who isn't familiar with the nomenclature. So it may be more pop, indie, prog, metal, punk, etc. But it's it's still centered, but that is evolving over time. 
Okay, so let's go back to the categorizations. You have rookies, you have little wing, you have adults. How many different categories do you have? Well, that's that plus our performance program is the heart of what we do. But there's this interesting migration that we're going through that I think is going to be very, very transformational for the company, which is that we've had this massive growth and success by being the place to learn to be proficient musicians through cover music. But with the effective endless opportunities to self-distribute and also the psychological and the educational benefits of creating for something from scratch, we're adding additional things beyond those core programs. So we've, we have now a songwriting program. We do that all season long, or we'll do that during camps. We just introduced a recording and production program that will be rolling out system wide. Um, and so I actually see the scope of our offerings changing pretty dramatically. One I'm excited about is live sound. I'd like to do a season long live sound program. I'd like to do a season long business affairs program where, you know, we get Bob as the guest professor as a culminating, um, uh, uh, a culminating guest. And, um, we, uh, we do the basics to, um, uh, music distribution, uh, et cetera, self-promotion. So I think we're at a point where we've got a very, very stout and defined set of menu offerings, but we're changing that because we think that there's a lot more value to be added. Um, I would also say that we accidentally have become a pretty important player in remote lessons. When COVID hit, you know, you can imagine a CEO's experience when they're saying themselves, hmm, we're in the business of throwing together like a dozen or two dozen kids into a small room, having them breathe uh, and excel vigorously. And, um, and then COVID comes. We had to move to a global remote teaching capability within a week. And we had that up and running in the second week of March, which to a large extent saved the company. But what's lingered from there is we're doing, still doing thousands of remote lessons a month because instead of COVID, it's tummy aches or it's vacations or it's my car broke down or there's an in, it's just more convenient. Or I live in Vietnam and you don't have a school in Vietnam yet. So I also see coming a really, really, really big commitment to addressing the entire addressable market of music education. And I know there's a lot of players out there, but the beauty is we've got a very famous brand and we've got a really, really unusual curriculum. Um, one thing I didn't mention in that regard is that our, our teaching methods patented we actually secured a patent a couple of years ago. So we actually feel we have a moat around our teaching method that'll let us bring that to an omni-channel world in a bigger way. Uh, but um, that's that's the current menu of services, uh, excluding all the really harebrained stuff that we have in mind. Okay. There's 12 months in a year. I would assume that if the performance uh, cycle is three months, there would be A, are there four cycles a year 
B, do people drop in, drop out? Are they dedicated? You know, what does the student ultimately do? Yeah. Uh, so we typically have four cycles. Um, and, uh, but in addition to that, we have this push me, pull me during the summertime. During the summertime, we'll lose students, uh, some students, because they'll be doing other summer activities in the Northeast. You know, a lot of the kids go to sleepaway camp or we have kids going to the shore or going on family vacations, uh, college prep, etc. Um, so that's a, that's a headwind. A tailwind we have though, is that we've have a massive business in camps, day camps. So we'll do, um, uh, I'm going to just estimate here, but I would guess we'll do, uh, over 25,000, maybe 30,000 units of camp over the summer, which is a amazing way for us to actually garner new leads for the fall season. So the only time that's peculiar for us uh, is where whatever country in which we're operating when folks are on school vacations. Now there's countercyclicality because we operate our biggest markets in Brazil outside the U.S. So there it's the opposite schedule. Right. Okay. When you say you run day camps, that's a nine to five camp. Typically nine to three. So um, they'll do. Um, uh, and this tends to be younger students and it's based on a lot of the principles that we have in our performance program. And the only thing that's different is they'll have a slightly less ambitious show on that Friday. They don't have three months to prepare. So it may be three songs or five songs, uh, but we'll do Beatles themed camps and green day and pop punk and the nineties. And we'll also do songwriting and recording camps. Uh, but yes, those are day camps typically with some kind of um, culminating experience on Friday, usually at the school itself. Okay. Let's write off the summer for the reasons you mentioned. Let's just assume I'm in during what we'll call the conventional school year. To what degree do kids continue during the year, year after year? To what degree do they drop out completely, come back? What's it like? Yeah, so we've we've actually looked at that um, in a pretty detailed way, and there's a staggering statistic that we found is that um, after 48 months, 17% of uh, the students who started 48 months prior are still with us, which is an incredibly high retention for child music education, especially given the fact that includes students who graduate out. That includes students who have moved on to other areas of passion. Um, so, um, you know, the thing that creates that greater stickiness is the performance. Cause we also looked at the cohort of students who just take individual lessons from us. And what we found is a very small single digit number is still with us after 48 months. And in a strange way, it's a natural experiment on our source of differentiation versus traditional music. That's a clue about actually what's happening in most traditional music is 48 months later, they've moved on to something else. But in our curriculum, they stay a meaningful number stays for a really, really long period of time. And that's, that's part of our growth is we're getting all these new students 
as we're getting better and better and better at retaining students by having more and more of them in this really differentiated performance program. Okay. So forget the adults for a second. Who are the students? You know, when I grew up in the old era, you did a smorgasbord of activities. Today, people tend to specialize. But in addition, conventionally, the people participating in music and arts were not necessarily the same people participating in sports. So who are these kids? Yeah, I think that, you know, that most of these kids are folks who have, are either in the sampling stage of discovering whether music is their thing or in the conclusion stage of determining it is by trying other things. So we'll always get browsers. We'll always get people who are doing both. And I would say th the vast majority of our students are doing something in addition to music that is different than music. It might be debate. It might be musical theater. It might be, um, uh, it may be art. Um, there's a very small overlap between sports and music. Um, but what's interesting about that, what intrigues me about it is the principles are identical. And, uh, so we happen to be real fans of the fact that there is this assortment of different child enrichment activities that we can be part of. We don't lament when a kid migrates out to sports. Um, because we think if, if they're finding their place, that's the source of their, their civics lesson. That's the source of their ability to negotiate compromise. It's the source of their psychological wellness. That's okay with us. Um, but yeah, I think that we tend to the vast majority of our students are people on the journey to discover if music is their thing or they've discovered it, you know, a kid like me who you know, notionally played varsity tennis, but that was only because they needed one more kid on tennis. Um, uh, but I was a music kid. I was the band kid. We get most of those kids. Rain or shine, every day is a great day for fishing, right? You got rain gear, but you can't overlook sunny day gear. A Columbia PFG Solar Stream Elite hoodie has you covered on the sunniest days. Like literally. I mean, who wouldn't trade a sunburn for a trophy fish? But why do it if you don't have to? Especially when this Solar Stream Elite hoodie is built with broad spectrum UV protection. We're talking UPF 50. And it has airflow so you don't overheat. And what's the alternative? Putting down the rod every half hour so you can slather on some sunscreen. Seems like an easy choice to me. Columbia PFG has you covered with their Castback TC shoe. Its OmniMax cushioning and traction system helps if you're on your feet a lot, say, fighting a fish. Not to mention keeping you sure-footed on a wet, rocking boat. So if you're going to be spending long days out on the water, and I sincerely hope that you will be, head over to Columbia.com PFG and shop all their performance fishing gear. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. 
Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Okay. So... To what degree do you have a sense of mishpuka? I mean, do the kids show up on Tuesday for lesson and Friday for rehearsal, or does this actually create bonds, especially in this communicative world where kids can communicate and adults can communicate on the device with people around the world? All right. Well, if you know, if we're gonna if we're gonna start speaking full on Yiddish, then 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 we're in good <laughs> stead. I grew up in a house where my parents spoke Yiddish, didn't think I was understanding it. So, you know, how much mishpucha is there in our in our community it's a really important part we we actually never refer to the company as a company or the brand as a brand we refer to it as a community or a family and it's really important when you're starting from a point of view that that unit of analysis which is the ensemble the band is the preeminent um uh goal it's a great performance working together it is central. And, uh, the stories we hear, Bob, are they, they'd, um, they'd both uplift you and break your heart. You know, before everyone asked how we survived COVID. And, um, the answer is that for School of Rock, that wasn't our first, uh, pandemic. We had a, we were dealing with a pandemic well before, um, COVID came, which is childhood anxiety, depression, suicidal ideation, and sadly, suicide, and um, far greater mortality um, in the, the age range we serve than COVID. And if we didn't know it before COVID, we know it even more now, is that the non-musical elements of what we do are the principal sources of differentiation. That is the highest value thing we do. I used to work as a chief marketing officer for CVS Pharmacy for seven and a half years. And having done that, I think of our business as a therapeutic business, all about adherence and compliance, which is that the medication of music and the medication of the experience of, you know, just feeling in control and I'm getting up on stage and I'm important. And without the band, I, the song doesn't sound right. And um, the, knowing what an impact we're having on those students 
is really gratifying, but the tangible manifestations of it, when you walk into a school of rock, you will see smiles and eye contact and disengagement with phones in a way you won't see almost in any other activity. So if more people understood what mishpucha meant, I would make it part of our tagline um, because it really defines, as in most cases, Yiddish, it means something, but it means it even more in Yiddish. School of Rock is a mishpucha. It is a family. Let's talk about the adults. Who are the adults who come and on the same theme, there's all this talk about loneliness, especially amongst men, and some men don't have any friends. So, who are the adult participants? Will it be something like uh, I show up, or will I end up creating relationships that translate outside of the program? We often see the latter, um, and but sometimes it's the former. You know, the, the reality is that... Uh, because of my travel schedule, I'm a really bad School of Rock adult band member. So I'm not a responsible person, uh, responsible member of the band. Um, I'm hoping my schedule can stabilize to some extent um, so that I can be a more active member. So I might not be one that's using it for a social outlet, but we have a lot of our schools where this becomes their, you know, in I think about the Freemasons, you know, a few centuries ago, <laughs> there is this need for adults to have communal work, to have socialization. And there's such, so much jarring research about the disassociation at the adult level. So yes, I think we do serve that purpose, but not exclusively for some folks. There's people who have their friends, they have their hobbies but this is the place for, for them to get their musical outlet. Um, but those people can coexist in a band. Okay. So talk to John Anderson, famous for yes. He goes on the road with a school of rock band. So we've talked all about the education. A, is there anybody who's been through the school of rock program who has established a successful career as a professional musician that people might know the name of and what are the opportunities once you reach that level of proficiency? Yeah, we're, we're excited that we're now sort of at the agent stage where those, our kids are starting to break. Um, and, and admittedly, I'm a proud, I'll, I'll answer your question sounding like a proud Papa. Um, we've got bands, emerging bands like lifeguard and hippocampus horse girl, the regrets, um, geese. These are all bands that are largely or entirely school of rock kids. Um, and then, you know, we're finding, I think of, uh, the guitarist in Dominic Fike's band, uh, that we have a guitarist from a school of rock who's in the Saturday night live band. So we're starting to see this very steady stream, um, of, uh, folks who are now aging out of the program and stepping in to the profession. One of the things that's going to be a big area for growth for us going forward is, you know, we see about a hundred plus thousand, maybe even 150,000 students in the next 12 months as part of our program. And over time, that's going to build to millions of alumni. 
And the law of large numbers suggests that more and more and more of those kids, soon to be adults, are going to be at the centerpiece of the next generation of performing artists. We're looking to organize that in a much, much more methodical way. You know, our, our offices are in Boston and Chicago and LA, but I live in Nashville. Um, and I moved to Nashville in part because as an environment for osmosis, it's a great place for me to start connecting us in a bigger way to the broader value chain, because we should be the biggest producer of new talent, um, in the musical field in the world, just because the sheer scale that we have and will get as we're growing at such a fast pace. So the answer is yes. There are many more I don't even know about because we've done a perfectly terrible job on alumni relations, but coming over to the next 12, 18, 24 months, it's going to be a very central part of what we do is being much more deliberate um, and much more disciplined uh, around that supply chain and monetizing it and most importantly, helping amazing people get out into the space. Let's be specific. You mentioned School of Rock kids at Lollapalooza. How many kids do you have at this elite level? And it's like the people going out with Johnny Anderson, which he testifies about. How many opportunities are there like that? And what do they actually look like? Yeah, so we have a range of different opportunities that have a different level of threshold. So I'll give you three scenarios. Um, and the, the last is specifically what you're asking about. We have an opportunity each year. We're, um, you know, Summerfest, of course, in Milwaukee. Well, Summerfest is um, during the daytime, um, but basically becomes School of Rock. So we take over the, the, all the main stages um, at Summerfest, and we'll have 82 bands there from all around the world, um, Peru and Chile and and those will typically be the house bands from the individual schools. So think of those as the best players. Think of it like travel basketball. It's the best players typically of that school. Um, then we'll have a more selective program like we had schools having to audition their bands to get selected to play at Rock and Rio in Lisbon. Um, and that was obviously much more involved logistics, much more complexity higher profile, uh, bigger, bigger attendance at some of the venue, et cetera. And then the most selective we have is our all-stars program. And what we do is audition hundreds and hundreds of kids who are recommended by the schools. We zero it down to about 160, 170 of those kids, put them into teams. We just completed our all-star tours. So the kids that play at Lala, or at Red Rocks, or, um, you know, or do our recordings for us, those will be those all-star levels. And you and I would close our eyes at those performances, and you would say this is as good a rock and roll performance as you've ever heard, sometimes better. Um, and what those kids will also do is do uh, build our collateral. So we've secured 60 or so sync rights to some of the best songs that are out there. And so we'll have all our all-stars go into sunset studios or go into, uh, uh, you know, um, 
uh, another tier one studio and record, um, uh, uh, high production value. So you look at our rendition of, uh, California dreaming, it's got over 10 million organic views because it's just so damn good. And Lauren Freihauf, who was the lead singer on it, ended up being number two on the voice. So, um, I, I would say we have hundreds of kids who, if luck um, uh, and access were right, would be as competitive in the professional market as anything that's out there. And that's going to grow to thousands. Now, of course, the market's mean. Uh, it's difficult. It's limited. So there's not going to be the opportunity for all of those kids to become professionals. And not all of them want to. We have a lot of kids who are professional level musicians, but they also want to be professional level doctor. Um, so, uh, but it's in the hundreds growing to the thousands of kids that I think would be signable. Why you, why do you run the house, uh, school of rock? Well, you know, I, I'm a musician, um, from early childhood, Mo maybe more importantly, you know, for me, music was my therapeutic outlet. So, you know, I wasn't that athletic kid. I wasn't the tall kid, uh, wasn't the richest kid. Um, uh, and notwithstanding my charm, I wasn't the most charming kid. And what I found with music is that the embrace and the support structure and the, um, the, uh, uh, the, the opportunity to make friends without even speaking a word was so powerful that it always in the, was in the back of my head. How can I play a bigger role? But then I had a very conventional career, you know, consulting, getting an MBA, going into retail, going, uh, going into, um, other franchising environment. And then, uh, you know, maybe the most important factor was for me was in the role immediately before this role, I worked for another very large franchise company, um, called edible arrangements. So if you ever need, have questions on how to cut pineapple just right and make bouquets out of fruit, I am your guy. But while I was in that role, um, my brother got very ill with, uh, pancreatic cancer. Um, and as I think everyone listening can identify, you have those moments where you say, um, what am I on this planet to do? What, what am I here to do? What matters to me? What will give me joy? And it's almost as if the universe was answering the question back. I got a call from school of rock. They said, okay, well, you've got a background in marketing and, and branding and organizational transformation and uh, CRM and all and these franchise skills, you seem like a good guy to talk to. They had no idea that music was my most important thing. Uh, we even had a family band with my kids and my poor wife was conscripted as the bass player. Um, and, um, uh, I, I so regret not finding my purpose earlier. Uh, although none of the stops along the way, um, I wouldn't be in the role without the stops along the way, but that's why I'm running school of rock. Um, I feel like, um, fate has dealt me the kindest hand, but 
by giving me this at a time in my life when I can appreciate it. Uh, it's incredibly fulfilling. Okay, so what are the challenges you presently face in the business, and what are the goals? We've covered some of the goals, but what yeah. are the challenges? I think the biggest challenge of an organization that's so purpose-driven, that's so anchored in creativity and community is preservation of the culture. You know, we're growing so fast um, in so many places. In there, you know, we've got, uh, you know, Australia and Taiwan, Philippines, South Africa. And on the one hand, when I visit these locations, it feels like I'm an old friend. But on the other hand, I'm mindful that as you increase your scale, increase your scope, how do you preserve the, that delicate balance of not just doing this for the money, but also not, not doing it for the money, making sure that there's a sufficient profit motive to drive growth and reinvestment. And, you know, I think that every CEO, if that's not their number one thing, if they're a growth company, then they're kidding themselves. Um, so we do a lot of work on succession planning. We do an enormous amount of work on, on culture building values, you know, really conveying the why of what we do, but that's what keeps me sleepless is at what point does it start feeling, um, as if we're losing something in the translation, we haven't hit that point yet. I'm not worried about it in the next six months or 18 months. But as we grow from being 340 schools to being 1,500 or 2,000, we have to work hardest at that because if we lose it at the corporate level, we'll lose it in the rehearsal room. Okay. And relatively quickly, because most people are confused, explain what the School of Rock is relative to the movie, the musical, and other operations that have used a similar moniker yeah so school of rock predated the movie and by definition predated the musical um and it was a relatively small organization at that time when the movie came out um and soon after that great movie came out school of rock was acquired by private equity management was professionalized there was infrastructure there were more lawyers about and finance people about and the question came up which is hmm this is a little bit of a strange situation which is we pre-existed this amazing uh movie and uh it was right about the time when the movie was being or the um the brand was being licensed to andrew lloyd weber for the musical which came several years later and it was at that time we reached a really, really constructive coexistence agreement with the good people of Paramount um, that that effectively organizes the where we can operate and where the movie can operate. And for us, it's terrific because we're going to be in the business of children's music education. We can do reality TV shows. We can do tours of School of Rock musicians under the school of rock name we have our own logotypes our own identities we have massive land banking all around the world in terms of domains um and trade dress um 
And really the only thing we can't do is make comedy movies or do fictional Broadway shows. And uh, thankfully, we're very friendly with both parties. We're big fans of Really Useful Group because they're doing such a great job of sustaining the brand, uh, the stage show, which we think is really special. So the the way to think about it is just um, we're we're cousins, uh, but we don't really operate in any direct way. And we really didn't grow out of one another um, as... Um, as specifically as one might thought might think most people think we came after the movie but we did not and any plans to go public boy uh you know that's one of those are you running for president questions which is i can say for sure that there are no plans afoot to go public um uh at this time i i think that frankly we're we're a small business, a relatively small business. Um, we're, uh, we're, we've got really favorable economics so we can self fund to a large extent. Um, and so while I don't see going public in the future, I definitely see that there are lots of transformational ways that we could work with partners and kind of build on what we do and do it in a bigger way. Because if you really think what business we're in, it, it would be myopic to say we're in the music education business. Um, we've talked about well beyond that. We're in this the uh, talent production business, but we haven't fully capitalized upon it. But more broadly, we're in the child enrichment business. So is there a way for us to integrate in, in a bigger environment with other related areas, more tangential areas, and take all the things we know about child enrichment and blow that out. I'm excited about that, but I don't see us going public in the near term. I don't, we, we really don't need to do that for investment. Um, um, and I'm not sure that right now would help our, that number one worry I have, which is cultural, is that I really think our, our mishpucha is going to be better off all around the dinner, the, the dinner table. Uh, enjoying one another's company and notwithstanding the fact I know a lot of people who are on wall street. Um, I'm not sure they need to be at the table, um, for this particular dinner at this particular time. Well, Rob, I want to thank you for taking the time to speak to me and my audience. I have people, whether it be parents or an adult close friend, they can't stop talking about the school of rock. You know, most people say, oh, yeah, my kid's in competitive swimming once. They go on. I got one friend. Says, well, this is what we're doing this term. You know, these are the solos I'm playing. These are the songs awesome. and I'll discuss whatever. And uh, it probably is that your students are your best marketing device. They they are. And, you know, it just comes down to this principles. Yeah. You know, somebody asked me. The other day is like, how do in one sentence can you define what's special about this? And I, I always say, you know, what's what's more fun than seeing Mick Jagger is being Mick Jagger. <laughs> and and when we can hear those raves from the kids and those parents, that's a great joy. And I'm so glad to hear that. And I'm so pleased that you gave me the opportunity to talk about it with you today. Thank you, Rob. Till next time. This is Bob Left Six. 
Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah! And some waves, so we could go surfing. Oh, I love that! A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in! Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it! Um, can a girl go shopping? Yeah, baby! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. With the new Dexcom G7, you can achieve better diabetes results without painful finger sticks. It sends your glucose numbers to your compatible phone or watch so you can always see where you are and where you're heading. See how food and exercise affects your glucose, making it easier to spend more time in range and lower your A1C. Take more control of your diabetes with the number one recommended CGM brand. It's easy to get started today at Dexcom.com. That's Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. Give your glucose alerts and readings from the G7. Do not match symptoms or expectations. Use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com slash compatibility. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.